to share with you a couple things that the Lord gave me before the meeting. I was praying and I thought of that passage that is so familiar to all of us. Our kids sing it off the scripture tape um, and I've heard it my whole life. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And I thought how first it doesn't say trust in the Lord with all your mind. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. And I thought of how Paul said, spoke of the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And how so many people say, God, I trust you, but I don't understand it. But they don't say it like, God, I trust you, even though I don't understand it. They say, well, I do trust God, but I just don't understand why it's happening like this. But that's what trust is. Is believing God is doing best even when you don't understand it. Amen? And I I just thought of this passage, and I want to read it to you, just a a good portion of it. Um, One of my favorite passages in the Bible, but I think it may be an encouragement to you as it was to me. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will, put, you will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. I hate those who regard empty vanities. It's very similar to what Jonah said, right? Those who regard worthless idols or vain imaginations forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And David is saying, I hate those who regard who consider as worthy of their respect and their attention vain idols or empty vanities. But I trust in you. Isn't it interesting that he contrasts empty vanities to trusting in God? Vain imaginations to trusting in God? You see, really faith and trust are really the same thing. But one has a connotation that is more active and the other has a connotation that is more passive. And sometimes it's harder to trust than it is to have faith. Faith is when God says, take up your mat and walk. And there's something we've got to do. And it's the obedience that comes from faith. Amen? God says to do it. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And we, we stand up and we do the impossible. But trust is when we don't know what God's doing. And we don't, or we don't understand how He's doing it. And He doesn't involve us so immediately, so actively. He just puts His hand out and says, trust me. And so often, what would kill that trust, what would interrupt that peace that comes through trusting God, is our vain imaginations. Our plans, our way of doing things. 
That was obviously what Abraham went through. Amen? In his life. Isn't it? God had said, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have a son. You're going to be a great multitude. Innumerable as the sand by the seashore and the stars in the heavens. Amen? But then Abraham wanted to do it his way. God's given a promise. And which one of us, when God gives us a promise, can we remain indifferent about it? Is that what God wants? Indifference from us? So what does He want? Aggressiveness? Anxiety? Amen. Is that what God wants? God gave Him a promise, and God's given us a promise. God said, you're going to have a family one day. God says, you're going to be freed from this one day. Amen? God says, I'm going to bring you into this prosperity or this blessing one day. And then, for a while, we trust Him, but then it's not happening. And we look at the options and we say, God, if I don't get involved, this just isn't going to work. And so we begin to pursue What? Our vain imaginations. Our empty vanities. We say, well, let's do it this way. And we press and we become anxious in our hearts. And we lose the peace of God. We lose the harmony with our brothers and sisters. Because we're off on a different course. We're running contrary to the straight path of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. What does that mean? That means your understanding doesn't agree with God's plan. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. If you lean on your own understanding, can you trust in the Lord with all your heart? No. That's a peace that is according to our understanding. But God wants to give us a peace that surpasses our understanding. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want a straight path toward the promise that God has given us. Why isn't this happening? Why am I not getting married? Why am I not baptized yet? Why have I not moved to this place or that? Why has this not changed yet in my life? This cauldron of anxiety, this pressure cooker of distrust. Why do we feel that way? Because we're leaning on our own understanding. God told us something was going to happen and it's not happening. Drum, 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 twiddle, twiddle, twiddle. How does this happen? Amen. Maybe it's Lot. Maybe it's Eliezer. Maybe it's Hagar. We'll try this and we'll try that. And are we expediting the promise of God? Are we making the path straight so that the victory can come more swiftly? No. We're making it crooked. We're putting obstacles up. We're putting delays up. We may be stalling something that was about to happen. And God is saying, when are you going to trust me? Because if this comes through your achievement then you're going to destroy it. You're going to have it and you're going to abort it. Every good and perfect gift 
comes down from the Father of lights, whose promises are yes and amen, who does not change like a shifting shadow. Amen? That's what Jacob had to learn, isn't it? Jacob had a promise from God. Something was born in his heart. And at the first, his dad wasn't on board with him, was he? Isaac didn't see in Jacob what God saw. He would eventually, but it didn't happen like that. So Jacob is anxious, and he starts conniving, and he starts angling. And God's got a seven-year hiatus planned for him. Oh, and then another seven-year hiatus planned for him. And then a reckoning with himself. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. And don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. Amen. What does that mean? In all your ways, acknowledge Him. You ever walked into a room and acknowledged somebody? You walk into a a setting and you recognize someone that you know, you acknowledge them. You say, oh, hi, Brother Dan. I'm glad you're here. I was afraid I was going to have to carry this meeting by myself, you know, or whatever it is. Maybe it's in Israel. No, kidding. Amen. Amen. You walk in and you say, oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. It's good to see you. You acknowledge somebody. Amen. That's what he's saying we have to do about God. In every situation, we have to acknowledge God. We have to say, where's your presence? There he is. There's God's word. There's God's presence. Lord, I recognize you're also in this situation. I'm not taking over here. Amen? And he will make your path straight. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to go back to Psalms 31 and finish here. Amen? I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness because you have seen my affliction. I trust in the Lord. And what does trust lead to? It leads to joy. Amen? Because if I'm in control, I'm anxious. Because I know how incapable I am of really keeping things in control. But if I really believe God has a plan, and I really believe He's taken jurisdiction over this situation. Amen. It's like, oh, you show up to a meeting and you think you're the only one who's supposed to share something and you realize Brother Dan's there and it's like, oh, wow. I rejoice. It's like, great. This is is wonderful. I don't have to do this. God's in control. Somebody's here to help. Amen? Have you ever had that feeling? Have you ever walked up to a situation and you thought you were going to be the only one, and then you realize somebody else is there who you respect, and you're like, this isn't going to be so bad after all. Amen. That's what he's saying he feels about God. He trusts God, and then immediately a rejoicing comes into his heart because God's in control. I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in Yahweh. I will rejoice and be glad in his loving kindness. Because you have seen my affliction. One of the greatest weapons the devil uses to get us to stop trusting God is he tells us, God doesn't see your affliction. Nobody knows what you're going through. Nobody sees. You're alone. 
Tell me the truth or tell yourself the truth. Have you ever felt that way? That's how he robs you of your trust in God. When he says, God doesn't see your affliction. But he says, I'm going to trust and I'm going to have joy because you have seen my affliction. God notices. I'm in verse 7. You know the troubles of my soul. Amen. There is something that happens just being reminded that God sees the affliction and he knows the troubles of your soul. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You're not alone. You're not isolated. He sees it. He knows it. And you have not given me over into the hand of the enemy. I'm not stranded. Amen. Amen. I'm not stranded. I'm not alone. Somebody sees what I'm going through. Amen. I'm not kidnapped by the devil and being afflicted on all sides and just tormented thinking that nobody that loves me knows what I'm going through. God sees my affliction. He knows the troubles of my soul. And He has not given me over into the hand of my enemy. Amen? He's saying, you're going through something, but I can trust you with this. You're going to come through it. I am with you. Don't lean on your own understanding. If you start trusting in what your eyes can see and what your mind can understand, then you're going to stop trusting me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen? What does the word encourage mean? What does the word courage mean? means to be heartened, to have heart. Amen? David encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen? He rallied his heart in a situation where his mind would take over. Amen? His own people were considering stoning him. He did not feel like he was one with everybody. He did not feel like people knew what he was going through. But he says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He strengthened his heart. Amen. And he said something like this, because this is David here too. You have seen my affliction. You know the troubles of my soul. And you have not given me over into the hand of my enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. David is reminding himself of something that his heart knows that his mind has forgotten. Amen? When you start distrusting God, does it feel like your feet are in a large place? Or does it feel like you're in a very pinched place? And I don't know why this is happening. This isn't right. God, this feels wrong. David's saying, no, God. You haven't given me over to the hand of my enemy. You've got a big plan for my life. Amen? My boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. My inheritance is broad and it's good. My feet are in a large place. Amen. He's calming his mind by the trust that his heart has in God. Be gracious to me, O God, for I am in distress. He's reminding himself of all these good things. And yet, in what context? When he's in distress. 
My eye is wasted away from grief and my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrows. You say, well, that sounds like God's given him over to the hand of his enemies. That sounds like his foot is in a narrow place. No, it's not. Because he's not leaning on his understanding. He's leaning on what his heart tells him about God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on the interpretation of the circumstance. Amen? He goes down and he says, As for me, verse 14, I trust in you, O God. He is asserting his trust in God. He is reminding himself of it. Amen? He's not saying, I'm not going through something. But he's stirring up his heart so that he can still trust God. He's not allowing himself to be funneled and cornered and narrowed into this pinched little place of unbelief that is based on what his mind can understand. As for me, I trust in you, O God. I say, you are my God. All my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Isn't that an incredible thing to say? I trust in you, O God. All my times are in your hand. Amen. One of the things that causes more anxiety than anything else is God doesn't act according to our timetable. We think this should have already happened. Isn't that what Jesus was telling the disciples when they said, is it at this time the kingdom will be restored? And he said, the times and seasons belong to the Father's authority. Amen. If we would take the times and seasons and make them our jurisdiction, then God no longer has authority in our lives. We've taken authority. We've taken the lordship over our own lives. Amen. Be honest. Is, is, is it not one of the biggest battles we have when it comes to trusting God? Is it not about the timing of things? Huh? Is it not that this should already be done by now? And sometimes it should. Amen. But God has a plan. And we have a decision. Are we going to trust in the reasonable rationalizations, excuse the redundancy, of our mind? Are we going to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding? There's a whole bunch of you who struggle with something. You struggle with your future, specifically with your future spouse. Well, you don't struggle with them. You struggle with where they are, trying to find them. Amen? You do. You struggle. And it brings an attitude of fear and panic into your heart that short-circuits the plan of God. It short-circuits the grace and the peace that would reign in your hearts. Isn't that what Paul said? Let the peace of God reign in your hearts. As if peace were a king and you were its subject. Are you listening to me? There are some of us who don't do that. We don't let the peace of God reign in our hearts. And it is because we believe God has whispered a promise to us and it's not happening the way it should. Crack goes the whip. Amen. 
maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And we start getting hectic, bouncing between things, wondering about this, opening our mouths and doing that. Amen. And there's this fear, amen, that starts coming into our lives. This panic. We're just afraid we're going to be left behind. We're afraid nobody knows what we're going through. We're even afraid to admit what we're going through. We're afraid that our way is getting narrower and narrower. And God's plan isn't coming to pass. How did Joseph feel? He went through the same thing his father Jacob went through, didn't he? Hmm? Didn't he? He had a dream, didn't he? Was that dream from God? Second dream, was it from God? Two dreams confirming God's plan for Joseph's life. Are you still with me? Were they from God? And yet look what he had to go through. Was that from God? Well, it wasn't God doing it, but it was God's plan. Amen. It was according to God's will. And Joseph, he could have lost the promise at any point along the way. We really don't know how many Josephs there are who die in unbelief while at Potiphar's house or in the prison or maybe even back in the pit when it first goes wrong. Amen? But he didn't. He couldn't lean on his own understanding because he understood things to be pretty awful, didn't he? But he kept putting his trust in God. Maybe he was saying, I trust in you, Lord. All my times are in your hands. Can you say that to God and believe it from the bottom of your heart? I trust in you, my Lord. All my times are in your hands. Amen. Not just the what, but the when. And the how. And the who with. God, I put it all back in your hands. I'm letting go. Amen. Have you gone through what Joseph went through? He didn't lose his trust in God. Have you been betrayed by all your brothers? I remember a circumstance where I thought people were misunderstanding me. And you know, in part, they probably were. And things were, actions were unfolding and circumstances seemed to be turning and doors seemed to be closing and people seemed to be doubting me. And not being a man of character like Joseph... I was going to go home and feel sorry for myself. And I remember my dad called me up and he said, what about Joseph? What are you going through compared to what he went through? Well, nothing, God. I'm not going through anything. He went through approximately 13 years of setbacks. 13 years of tests where God was seeing, was he going to slip back into the rut of leaning on his own understanding or was he going to in all his ways acknowledge somewhere in this prison, somewhere in this pit, somewhere in this Potiphar's house, God is here. God's plan is still here. God's purpose is still advancing. And I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and believe that in the end, We're going to say what you meant for evil, Satan, God used for good. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So grow up. We all go through it. But it's time to stop going through it. Stop falling back into that place where the devil steals your peace, your trust, your joy. Amen. Say, all my times are in your hands, God. What a way to say it. Amen. I say, he says I'm going through hell. He describes what he's going through. They're persecuting me. I am forgotten as a dead man. I am like a broken vessel. I have heard the slander of many. Terror is on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. But, but, we're, none of us are going through that. I'm sorry. We're just not. But he was. He was going through that. And he, he responded to that circumstance by reminding his, himself of something. He said, but, as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I don't trust in flesh. Amen? I don't trust in circumstances. I don't trust in the goodness of man. And I certainly don't trust in the accuracy of my own carnal mind. But as for you, O Lord, I trust in you. I say, you are my God. So he says, in that circumstance, he says that. He reminds himself of that. Amen? You are my God. All my times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. And what is the face of God? The presence of God. Let me feel it again. Amen. When my heart reaches out to, stay, to say, God, I still trust you. All my times are in your hand. Let me feel the, the warmth of your, your presence, your face shining down on me again. Thank you, Jesus, saying, I'm still with you, Joseph. I'm still with you, Jacob. I'm still with you, Abraham. I've got a plan for you. Keep trusting me, not with your mind, but with your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And now I want to read, I want to read a little bit more from another passage, and this is it, and then I want to share some concretes with you that I feel like will help. Amen? This is Philippians 4. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. And then he, said, and then he, he goes into some specifics here. I don't know if I get the pronunciation right, but we could put a lot of different names right here. But he has two that we don't know them, but we might know them. I urge Eoidia. I don't know if that's how you say it. I urge Eoidia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Now these are two sisters. We don't know if they were natural sisters, but they're two sisters. And he, he's writing... One of the books of the Bible. He's writing to the Philippian church. The book of Philippians is one of my favorite books in the Bible, along with all the rest. Amen. But, I mean, it's, it's a great, it's incredible. The depth, the, the revelation, the wisdom. And yet he ends the passage by talking about two sisters that he feels like have lost harmony between themselves. 
I don't know. I've never seen anything like that happen. Things were different back in that day. I urge Eoidia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. You decide whether you're Eoidia or Syntyche. That's, that's not my call. Indeed, true companion, I ask you to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. So there's two sisters who need help, who need encouragement. Amen? What are they? People who've never done anything good for God? He doesn't say, I ask you to help these two busybodies. That's not what he says. He says, I urge them to find harmony. But then he says, help them, help these two women, because they have shared in my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement and also the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So these two people who have lost harmony are special to Paul because they helped him in the cause of the gospel. There probably weren't very many single sisters who helped Paul in the cause of the gospel. And their names are in the book of life. But they need help. They've lost harmony. And there's a reason why. Amen? In order to restore harmony, he says, their names are in the book of life. They've helped me in the cause of gospel, but they don't have harmony. And he says, they need help. And how do they need help? They need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Now, is that a suggestion or is that a command? I mean, he says, rejoice always. And again, I'm telling you, rejoice. Yes, sir. Amen. It's a command. Amen. This is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it and be glad in it. Not this is the day which the Lord has made. I sure hope it makes me happy. Amen. That is circumstance-based happiness. But that's not what the Bible says. It says this is the day the Lord has made. I will. It's an exertion of decision, of will. I am going to rejoice. Why? Because it's the day the Lord has made. Because this is God's day and God's plan is going to be realized today. And that makes me excited. I showed up and I realized God was there. And in all my ways I acknowledge Him. And He's making my path straight. Okay, so the first, the first prescription is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I tell you, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. So what does he tell us? He says, there's some meekness, which is what that word is. There's some meekness that we lose when we think the Lord isn't close. And there's some meekness that we get back when we realize he's close. When in all our ways we what? Acknowledge him. Now, have you all ever been, have you ever had this happen? Let's say you're 16, 15. None of my nephews or nieces will know what I'm talking about. But, and you're, you're engrossed in a very important conversation. 
and maybe you're waxing eloquent, maybe you're being voluble, who knows, but you're really going at it with your peers, and all of a sudden, you know, they're facing the door, but you're facing them, and they're looking at you, and then all of a sudden, their face kind of goes white and drawn, and they're looking past you, and you just keep going, trying to be more persuasive, and then you realize they're not saying anything, and you turn around and you realize dad just walked into the room. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? Some equivalent of that? Do you know what I'm talking about? What's happened? Well, you lost your meekness because dad wasn't near. And when he came, you got it back just like that. It's like a miracle of meekness showed up as soon as dad walked in. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, that's what he's saying. He's saying these, these, these ladies have lost their harmony. They've lost, because they've lost their joy. But in part, they've lost their joy because they've lost their gentleness, their meekness. What does the Bible say is fitting for a woman? A meek and quiet spirit, which is beautiful. Amen. And why do we lose that? Because our Father has, is in another room, and we need to go to where He is. Do you understand? We, we need to remember, in all our ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make our path straight. We need to restore that gentleness, that appropriate spirit. It says the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. So this is how he's going to restore harmony. He's going to help you rejoice. He's going to help you find meekness. And he's going to take away your anxiety. That panic impatience that says, God told me it was supposed to happen. Wringing of hands. Amen. Stamping of feet. Worry. Tension. Oh, Lord, please help me. I don't know why this isn't happening. Be anxious for nothing. God wants to take away the anxiety. And how do you get rid of the anxiousness? Well, the anxiousness is the wrong way of pursuing the right thing. Amen? Was Abraham pursuing the right thing when he tried all those bad things? He was pursuing the promise of God, wasn't he? What about Jacob? Pursuing the promise of God. Pursuing something that God put in his heart. But anxiety is the human effort pursuing God's plan. Amen? It's the wrong way of pursuing the right thing, maybe. Maybe the wrong thing, too, but let's just say the right thing in this case. Amen. But there is a right way to pursue the right thing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart to get your heart back in the right place. Be anxious for nothing, but how do you get rid of anxiety? But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Is that where it stops? Let your requests be known to God. See, there's a certain kind of prayer and supplication that I don't know accomplishes much. Clenched fists, clenched eyes, tears coming down. God, I don't know why. That's anxious prayer. That's distrusting prayer. That's leaning on your own understanding kind of prayer. That doesn't accomplish anything. So you can't just let your prayers and supplications be known and expect that that's going to take away the anxiety. There's a cure for the anxiety here that we have to remind ourselves of. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
Let your requests be known to God. You take out that thanksgiving and your prayers and supplications may never even be known to God. <laughs> Amen? But you've got to say, God, this is what I need. This is what I want. This is what I'm asking for. But I want you to know I'm thankful that I'm still your child. You're still in control. You haven't given me over to the hand of my enemies. You do know the troubles of my soul. You know what I'm going through. And I'm praising you and thanking you and loving you for that. Amen? That's what Paul and Silas, it wasn't as if thanksgiving was the trick to obligate God to break apart the prison. They really were thankful. They really did believe God was doing something. And they were excited that in all their ways they could acknowledge He was there also. Amen? They could praise God. They could say this is a test. This is a trial. This is unfair. But God, that means you're trusting me. There's something that you want to do here and I'm kind of getting excited wondering what it's going to be. Amen. So they began to sing and praise God. Giving thanks. Amen. And when somebody has that attitude, they're trusting in the Lord with all their heart. And God starts straightening out the crooked path. Amen. And something is about to open up. Amen. We can't be thankful by way of hoping the door will open. Amen. We can't be going, Oh God, I'm so thankful for this terrible situation. Now get it over with. We gotta be, we gotta say, God, I don't like this situation. In David's words, it can feel like death. It can feel like a, a siege on my soul. But God, I'm not serving my situation. And I'm not trusting the mind that interprets my situation. I'm serving and I'm trusting you. And all my times are in your hand. Amen? Isn't that what Joseph felt? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is how harmony gets restored between their names. I don't know. Okay. Be made known to God. And the result is the peace of God, which, is surpass, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What leaves our hearts and minds vulnerable in dangerous situations? A lack of thanksgiving, a lack of trust, a resorting to our own understanding. But the peace of God guards us. What does it say? He is able to keep him in perfect peace whose mind is set on you. Amen? And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, okay, so he's told us here that they needed to rejoice. Amen? Let's see. He's told us to rejoice, and he said they needed to restore meekness. Rejoice and meekness. And he said they needed to give up anxiety, and he said they would do that by replacing the wrong way of seeking the right thing with the right way of seeking the right thing, which is praying with thanksgiving. Amen? 
And then he says the result will be the peace of God will protect our hearts. Amen? But then finally, he tells them that they're going to have to work to bring their wandering thoughts into subjection to the mind of Christ. That they're going to have to direct their mind to think about the right things. Amen? They are not going to come up and get a blessing in the altar and go home and be magically cured of all worry about getting married or not. It's not going to happen. Amen? Something is going to have to come inside their hearts and their hearts are going to have to help direct their minds toward what God wants them to be dwelling on. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Amen? Finally, brethren, so this is the mind one, the sixth one, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think on and dwell on such things. He says a big part of your problem is you just think about your problems way too much. Do you understand? And you need to think about God and what he's done and what he's doing and his love and all the praiseworthy things in your life. All the honorable people in your life. All the lovely acts of kindness that inundate you. You need to think about those things. And as a man thinketh in his heart, he'll become. Thank you, Jesus. And that's the secret God wants to give us. The secret of trusting in the Lord with all our hearts and leaning not on our own understanding. And I'm not just talking about single sisters here. I, I hope the Lord is allowing this to go into every one of our hearts. Amen doesn't say commit your way to the Lord and then be thankful. Pick it back up and make sure it happens. That's how most of us commit our way to the Lord. I committed it. Now I can push it through. Don't commit your way to the Lord and He will bring it to pass. Amen. Amen. But it won't be according to our understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God is good all the time. God sees, God knows, and he, he, His love is in the hearts of so many around here, and they see a whole lot more than you think they do. They love, they notice, they care a whole lot more than you think they do. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you.
You're the reason that I 